0: We're talking Planet Slow Cup now. Of course, massive match coming up on Saturday night at Eden Park, uh, where the Wallabies are desperately attempting to come back from what was a fantastic first 38 minutes last week, and a pretty underwhelming second at 41 and a half, if that makes sense. We're joined now by Nick Farr Jones, former Wallabies captain, and a man who was on the deck uh, under Andrew Slack the last time the Wallabies managed to tip up the All Blacks at Eden Park. Uh, deep in the dark mist of time, Nick Farr Jones, it must seem like decades ago, because it was. And welcome to the 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 show.
1: Yeah, thanks Darcy, it certainly was a long time ago mate, just last week I I, rolled around, not that I keep a close eye on these things, but 25 years since I stopped um, pulling on that gold jersey, which was in 1993, but you're right um, played my first test at Eden Park in 1985 uh, went down 10-9 it was part of a four consecutive tests between the Wallabies and All Blacks where one point separated us, Um, but Yeah, we went on in 86 to win that series. Uh, Just to remind your listeners, some will have no idea because they were too young, others will remember it, but it was that year that your team went over to South Africa um, on that non-sanctioned trip, and they were the Cavaliers, I think, and played four tests over there. And Then we toured in 86, and we won 13-12 against the Baby Blacks, I think you called them, and then we lost 13-12 in Dunedin. And that was a really critical game for us. Um, we had to win the Blederslow Cup, certainly for Alan Jones. You know, he was always saying we, we, we can't be the Greg Normans of golf, always finishing second. Um, and it was a great game. It was a terrific game, I think, from memory, 3016. Not that I'm really remembering that, but, you you know, it's, it's hard to win there. It's, it's a fortress for the All Blacks. It used to be a fortress for the Auckland team. And it's a bloody tough environment.
0: Tell us about the headspace around the team, because the current crop of Wallabies need to somehow check into that. I mean, they're not poor players by any stretch of the imagination. They showed us last week they can actually compete. So I'm presuming it's upstairs once they work out how to tackle. Can you draw any comparisons between your guys then and these guys now, or is it such a gulf, there's no point?
1: Oh, look, it's difficult for me to do it. I mean, last year, and maybe I did fire them up um, when they had that victory up in Queensland, um against the all blacks the last victory we had because you know i was quoted as saying you know i think we're lacking a bit of mental toughness and sometimes that sort of criticism um can can gel people and what have you but i suppose my real fear is is just the way we dropped off in that second half um you know i i I, I just wonder if we're physically up to the, the battle um let alone mentally and we all know that to, to, to face down the Harker, to, to, to play 80 minutes of football, you've got to be right on your game individually, collectively, mentally, physically. And I, I sometimes just uh, doubt that we've got the physical capacity at the moment because that second half um, was dreadful and there had to be something going on, probably physically as well as mentally.
0: So this is uh, an alarm over the conditioning of the players. I and mean, we are talking about a group of men that went right the way through the super season and they played internationals in June as well. Or just a bridge too far because well, that I mean, would be I a, a gut blow, it out, wouldn't
1: mate? it? Mate, I can't work it out because, you know, I played in the amateur days. Um, you know, I probably only trained as a squad back in those days, except when you're on tour, but, you know, maybe sort of, 12, 15 hours, um, before a test match, we could only go into camp on a Wednesday. Um, but you used to do whatever it took, um, privately to make sure you're in, you know, absolutely sublime fitness and shape to be able to play 80 minutes. You've got to remember that, that I played in the day when you couldn't be, uh, replaced unless you had a medically verified injury. So from a distance, mate, and I do watch the game from a distance these days, um, I scratch my head. If this is your day job and you're not absolutely um, physically prepared to play the game and to be able to strut your stuff in the best way you can on these great stadium, I, I can't work it out. But but how else do you explain the tale of the two halves last, last uh, Saturday? I, I can't work it out.
0: It's the case, though, that the Gulf and i use that word again, between the All Blacks and the rest of the world is so vast, it's almost pointless trying to compare the Wallabies' quality to what's going on with the All Blacks. It's almost like you guys fight with the rest of the world and come World Cup next year, hope things go well and fight to get in that final, because there is, there is such a, a vast difference in quality and style between all these teams.
1: It shouldn't be like that, though, particularly when the guys are playing professional sport. Um, You know, we can produce great athletes. I mean, if we didn't, if we had access to all the guys who play rugby league and AFL, it it may be different. But let's remember that we're a country that has got five times your population. So we should be able to produce 23 guys who can strut their stuff and play at the best level. I, I don't know what it is. I think it must come down to coaching and preparation and selection and and all the pathways. Um, I'm on the board of the International Rugby Academy of New Zealand, um, otherwise known as IRANs. It's not because I support New Zealand rugby. IRANs is available to any country in the world. Uh, It has got the best program as an academy uh, globally, Um, and yet the Australians refuse to acknowledge that and and keep on burying their heads in the sand and, and trying to you know, I don't really know what the pathway is, but whatever it is, it certainly ain't been working for the last 15 years.
0: So to lay into the team and to coach Checker is probably a little disingenuous when what I'm hearing from you, it comes from the top. It's at a, a board level and a recognition level. That's where the, the problem with Australia rugby starts and that where it needs to be fixed.
1: Uh, Darcy, you may well have hit the nail on the head. I, I chaired the board of New South Wales Rugby for five years. I, I stood down three years ago. I really haven't been connected uh, to the game sometimes the only way to recharge your batteries is to move away from it and I certainly want to recharge the batteries before next year's World Cup in Japan doesn't mean I won't be watching tomorrow night with great interest doesn't mean I won't be cheering for the boys Um, but yeah I I, I do think that there's probably board levels Um, all you have to do is, is read Alan Jones's comments and and what have you and you know look at the investment that we've had in community rugby over here and look at the ways that we've tried to um, run pathways to young kids you know getting that pathway to pulling on that gold jersey I, you guys are head and shoulders above us because of your governance system and, and effectively the you know the. New Zealand Rugby Union run things from the top. We, we don't. We have a fractured system over here where it's quite disparate between you know, the super um, teams and their boards and, and the Australian Rugby Union.
0: Nick Farr-Jones joining the programme. So it calls for Michael Checkers head. I find this interesting. Uh, Simply a year out from a World Cup that it even entertained such a concept because surely that'd throw the team into, into greater disarray, would it not?
1: Look, I, I certainly... I, I'm too distant from it to call that. But right. if you look at the record... Um, one from five victories over the Irish, one from seven against the English, and two from 10 against New Zealand. It, it ain't a great scoreboard, I can assure you of that. Um, I suspect that Bill Porver was too quick to sign Michael up uh, after we did extremely well in the last World Cup. I mean, Cheka had, you know, red aces in relation to that no- negotiation. I, I, You know, I'm not sure why Bill would have paid top dollar and... and Actually, agreeing, you know, for checker to go through to the end of the next World Cup, I think that could have been a mistake. But look, at the end of the day, um, you know, we hope he does a good job. Uh, again, from a distance, I scratch my head and I look at the performance. Um, and and wonder about the mental capacity of these guys, um, not to mention the physical that I've already spoken about.
0: If there's anything they can do in this small window from Waiheke Island over on the ferry back into central Auckland before they get into this game, what would it be? What would be the one bit of advice you'd like to give to these guys or you'd hope they'd pick up besides make your tackles? Because I think that one's obvious.
1: Yeah, look, look again. I, I struggle with that. I suppose I think back to when my team was called the woeful Wallabies in nineteen ninety um, in the three test series in New Zealand. We were called the woeful Wallabies by one of the in one of the headlines um, by one of the newspapers after our loss to New Zealand in Auckland. Um, we ended up getting away with the third test in nineteen ninety, which was probably um, the most important victory that I had in my life because it all of a sudden gave us belief. It it, it it then launched us into becoming the best team in the world for the next three years. Um, It's about belief, but I do recall before that Wellington test up up at the old athletic park, (laughs) we basically had the catch cry, whatever it takes, Um, whatever it takes individually, collectively, the solidarity we needed. But we went out that day with a huge belief, even though, from the 87 World Cup through to that match, New Zealand came first and Daylight came second. And sometimes you just got to take that out, but then you've got to execute it.
0: Wonderful stuff. Nick Farr-Jones, always a pleasure. Thanks very much for your time. Do enjoy uh, the weekend's entertainment and indeed uh, right the way through up until the next World Cup. Things have got to change.
1: Yeah, good on you, Darcy. Nice to talk to you. And uh, all the best to the, what are you, four and a half, five million people over there? Oh, 4.8. Listeners, wouldn't you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> good on you, Nick. See you later. Good on you. Cheers, mate.